Hello, folks. Welcome to a special edition of the High Power Archery Podcast. This is the first in a new series called the Lightning Learning Series. And what we're going to do in this new series is go in-depth on different parts of form or shooting, depending on what we happen to be working on. Now, these podcasts will be very instructional. So if you're looking for some advice on how to clean up your form or how to get a little bit tighter groups, this is the place to do it. Each one of these audio podcasts will be followed a couple of days later by a video appearing on YouTube and other platforms that you can then watch and see the students demonstrate the technique that we're describing here. Because the fact of the matter is, it can be hard to follow along sometimes, but we'll try to explain it as clearly as possible. So today, for episode one of the Lightning Learning Series, we're going to be focusing on form. And the first part of shooting form we're going to work on is going to be your shoulder and arm position. Now, a lot of coaches, when they teach shooting, the first thing they start doing is telling you where to put your feet, that sort of thing, where to position your hips. But I found, in my own experience, that if you don't start from the top, the part of the machine that's actually doing the shooting, you can't get a good base going in the first place. Now, that sounds backwards to what a lot of people talk about. They say, well, you have to establish a base, and the base is in the feet. Okay, but if you don't know how to hold the bow, having the best base in the world is not going to do anything for you. So this is going to focus on how we should be holding the bow, how you should be directing your force pressure as you're doing the draw, and more importantly, to position where your shoulders should be. And I'm going to go into a couple of different things about your shoulders, about the relation to your arms, that I've been doing this with with my girls and my students for a very long time, and it seems to work well. But the most important thing is I avoid injuries like this because by not hyperextending something or putting too much tension on a muscle structure or a bone structure that shouldn't be supporting that much tension in the first place, we don't get the injuries. And in the end, if you're going to wind up being in pain from doing something according to the book, then what's the point? then why should it be the book in the first place? So that's where I differ from, from a lot of coaches when it comes to establishing your base, how you're going to do it. So like I said, I don't start from the bottom, I start from the top. So let's get started with this. So the first thing I tell people is, when you're going to hold a bow, you have to be able to hold it in a relaxed position. Now, you're going to see people that shoot with their arm fully extended out, and that's the way I teach you to do it, with your arm fully extended out. However, arm fully extended out and arm hanging out there loosely goosey are two different things. And we don't want the arm just hanging out there. So a common thing that I use to describe this is if I give you, let's just say, a a big can of pineapples or something like that, you know, what you see around the Thanksgiving table, pineapple rings for the ham, I give you a big can of that. It's pretty heavy. And I tell you, take that can and take your bow arm and stand sideways and lift that up as high as you can, you know, so it's shoulder shoulder height, okay? Now, if you do that, you're going to find that it's kind of hard to hold that thing steady. Not only are you going to find that it's hard to hold it steady, you're also going to find that the weight is pulling you down and pulling you down and pulling you down until your arm almost swings all the way down and nearly past... If you were let it go at that point, it would swing down and past your rear end. Kind of like in a pendulum, it's going to swing down. I see a lot of people that are being taught to shoot 
they hold their bows exactly like that. And if you think about it, when you're doing that, your shoulder itself is pretty loose in there. And what you're doing is you're putting a lot of force against it. And because you're not stable in where it is, you're actually running the danger of putting undue pressure on muscles and tendons and sockets that you should not be doing to it. So let's just say if I'm standing in front of you and you've got your arm all the way up like that and I push on you, I can probably push you left, right, doesn't make a difference, up and down because your arm is not stable where it is. On its own, it's not stable. And the way I tell people to do that is, okay, go ahead and lean, you know, just put your arm up the way you're going to do that and lean against the wall. Now, two things will show themselves from this. One, if you have a bent elbow, you're going to find that leaning against that wall after about 30 seconds starts to put a lot, a lot of tension into your arm muscles. And in the end, we don't want to use the muscles in the front arm for anything. So you'll st- if you have your arm bent, you're going to see that. But especially if you have your arm even locked out, but you have it floating all the way up there, you're going to see that suddenly the, with the weight of your body leaning against that wall, your shoulder starts to hinge one way or the other. Sometimes it'll hinge down. Sometimes it'll hinge left or right. A lot of different ways. Doing that will prove to you what I'm talking about. So what we want is the ability to do this without hurting yourself. And how do you do that? Well, I'll demonstrate it more in the video when we produce that out in a couple days. But let's start with this. If you take both your arms, stand facing a wall, lift both your arms up, okay? Now, with your arms both lifted up there, you're going to see that they're right out of the sockets when you're lifting them to, to, say, shoulder level. But if you take your shoulders and you suck in your shoulder blades, just only moving your shoulder muscles, you try to move your shoulder blades towards your spine, both of them at the same time, you're going to find that you can suck them right into the corners. And it actually retracts it into the sockets. And that's what we're looking for. It's in the socket. Now, do the same thing with your arm pointed to the left. Now stand sideways facing the wall, lift your arm up, and retract that shoulder into its socket you're going to see that it kind of locks in there. Now, here's where this makes a difference. When I put the pressure of a bow being held in that hand, against that, it can't float. It can't move. With Combine that with your arm being straight, and it functions just as it was meant to, as just a lever and nothing else. So that's what we're looking for. And again, you'll see it more clearly when I do the video, but we're looking to just extend our arm up and while it's straight and locked out, suck it into the shoulder socket. Just suck it in. And that means like you're not moving your back at all, but you're taking your shoulder blanket and you're retracting it in there. So now it's not floating up out of the socket. It's still relaxed, but it's retracted in. Now, putting that together, this is how we demonstrate what your what your draw length should really look like. If I lift both my arms up, right, and I suck them into the sockets, now I move my arm to the left, my my bow arm, and that's still sucked into the socket, and I take my other arm, and I just bend at the elbow, and I turn my head, you'll see where your draw length, when you suck it into the other socket, where your draw length should really be. It's not all the way past your eye. It's not all the way past your cheeks. It's not two and a half inches past your face but it ends right there. 
So if we combine these two, suddenly we have a line. So we have, we've achieved a linear alignment. But what we don't have is linear sideways tension. So now we're not pulling anything out of its sockets. We're not putting, we're not forcing ourselves to, to shoot, to, um, to do something and force a shoulder into place because that causes tension to all of your tendons and all of your muscles. And if you do that, two things are going to go on. One, you probably can't do it very long without breaking down. Two, eventually you're going to start to put pressure on one of those tendons or one of those joints that can't handle it, and you're going to wind up with a rotator cuff problem or you're going to wind up with damaged muscle. There's a lot of different things that can happen there. So just like you wouldn't let your car run without oil, you don't want to put excess pressure on something that can't handle it because it wasn't designed for it. Now, now that we're on to that part of it, let's look at what happens when we're drawing back. Okay, so now you've got your front shoulder sucked in, you're bringing that rear shoulder in, and a lot of people, they try to pull the elbow, okay, in back of them in a straight line. That is not normal. And by doing that, um, you, you can't achieve a straight line. So... But they say, well, I'm keeping a straight line. You're not keeping a straight line. By doing that, you're trying to pull your shoulder out of what? Out of the socket again. And if you think about it, if I'm here and I'm not physically moving anything else, I am doing something unnatural. I'm trying to pull it out of the socket. That's a problem. When you draw back and when you come to anchor, you drop your real shoulder and you bring your, bring your arm in. So now it should be in perfect alignment, providing that the bow is set up properly for you. Perfect alignment should be a straight line between one hand, the lead hand and the back hand, and the elbow should be either exactly in line or slightly behind it. And also, your shoulder should not be way up in the air. It should be level or just slightly up, but not more than that. Because if you think about it, if the shoulder and the elbow is all the way up in the air in the back, what are you doing? You're forcing the, the, top ar- the front arm down. Now, with the front arm properly tucked in, and sucked in, it can't be forced down. So by doing that alone in the front, a lot of times that forces people to just be straight and more level instead of having that unnatural elbow all the way up in the air. Now, what are we doing to actually execute the shot if I'm not pulling back this way? Because if you think about it, if I took a rope and threw it around your elbow and I try to pull, well, it's going to hurt because I'm actually trying to rip your, your arm off. can't fire a shot that way. Even if you left extra space in your draw which means that if you made a shorter draw, yeah, your arm has room to move that way, but it's not going to move in a straight line. It's going to pull the bow out of line trying to do that. So how do we execute the shot? Again, we're focusing on the top of the engine here. So now you're thinking about a straight line. Well, when your shoulder's relaxed in the back now, I'm taking my shoulder blade and I'm pulling it towards my spine. Now you're saying, well, that's pulling in a circle. Exactly. It's pulling in a circle. When you pull in a circle like that, what's happening is you're you're pulling naturally. But if you watch your hand, if you're pulling that shoulder back, your hand is actually going straight. The only way your hand would go around you is if 
you pulled so much that your hand came out out of line. But ju- just to get it slightly past where your anchor is, and we're only talking about a half inch, that's what sets off the shot. It's when people have their anchor too far back that unnaturally they'll see, well, if I don't pull straight back, it's going to wind up going around my head, which is not what you want. So now we're concentrating on the shoulder blade, pulling it back, engaging with a relaxed shoulder in the back, and starting your shot that way. That's how it's done. So now, focus on three things. The first thing is your front arm is relaxed, it's straight, but the shoulder is sucked into the socket. Second thing is you have a straight line between your front hand and your rear hand. Your elbow is in that line or just slightly behind it. Point three, your rear shoulder is now relaxed. Okay? And when your pulling motion is not straight back, it's pulling your shoulder towards your spine. Your rear shoulder is going in a circle towards your spine. However, that's going to keep your hand going straight. Combining those two and three things together equates to a straight shot. No matter what you do, if I created a post and a pedestal and put a crossbow on it, let's just say, if it wasn't straight, you can't shoot it straight. In order to hit the target because it's sitting on a pedestal of some kind, balancing, you have to think of the top of your arms exactly the same way. Your body, your torso is that pedestal. The real swivel on the pedestal is your waist, but we'll get to that in another episode of this. But if you think of the top being the turret, which is a better word for it, and your arm is the actuator for shooting that bow, you can't fire it efficiently. And by efficient, I mean if you're pulling sideways, the arrow's going to go one, one way or the other, to the left or to the right. But if you're pulling straight, you're pulling efficiently. And the arrow's going to go in the same direction where your front arm is facing. Also, by not putting undue pressure on those joints by A, trying to float your arm up all the time, and B, having your rear shoulder hunched up all the way in the air, your rear elbow all the way in the air, you afford yourself the ability to shoot longer and more often without hurting yourself. I see it all the time when I go down to the range, people who shoot. And when they're shooting, you'll see, especially guys with heavy, heavy bows, because they lack proper form and execution, they can get maybe 20, 30 shots before their arm feels like it's about to fall off. And some of these guys shooting 80-pound bows, which they shouldn't be shooting in the first place unless they can physically handle it. And trust me, I don't care how big you are. If you don't know how to use the right technique, you can't. They can get barely 10 shots out without their shoulder feeling is going to fall off. What happens with this after a certain amount of years, you guys start to get a breakdown. And that breakdown will lead to you having to stop shooting or have to shoot very, very lightweight. Why? Because all these years, and I hate to say it, but in some cases, I get kids from other coaches who haven't been shooting all that long, I'm talking about a year or two, and they have shoulder problems. To me, that's too young to have this sort of thing happen. And then when I ask them, I said, all right, let me see you shoot. They exhibit the same things that I'm telling you not to do. Float that arm up, elbows all the way up in the air. The joints are not in their sockets. So you're putting all kinds of stresses and tensions. And then they're telling them to pull so hard back that they rip something up. 
I had one little girl. She was about, I'm going to say, she was treating Joad for two years. She was 11 years old when I got her. And um, at that point, she was about ready to give up shooting only because she couldn't do it anymore. I mean, the pain in her shoulder was so bad, she didn't know what to do. So her mom had come to me and said, listen, what can you do with Mandy? She can't shoot like this. She's been shooting Joao competitions for almost three years and working with the same coaches. And they're telling her this is textbook how to pull. But she's so bad in her shoulder right now, she doesn't know what to do, but she doesn't want to give up shooting. So I said, okay, well, the first thing we're going to do is she's not going to shoot for about four weeks. I wanted to give her shoulder a chance to at least heal up a little bit. And again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what was going on in there. I do know that when I had her try to draw her bow back, I saw exactly what I was been talking about here. And I see the problem. I said, okay, don't shoot for about four weeks. Now, they thought mentally that by me doing that, I am giving them time to heal their shoulders, just like I said. And that's kind of you're giving your shoulder a rest, yes. But what I was also doing by doing that is showing them how to, how, well, not showing them, showing her shoulder how to forget its muscle memory. Because what we're going to do is we're going to retrain her to do this. If I had just gone and said, hey, you've got to do this right away, it doesn't work. Because she's already experiencing pain and everything that she's going to do is going to be related to experiencing that pain. So we wanted to get away from that. And it worked because four weeks later, I started her on my shooting process, how I do the shooting technique. She found it weird of her sucking her front shoulder in, but it worked. Then I said, okay, pull it back. Now your rear shoulder, this is what you're going to do. I put my chin up to the back of her, of her elbow. I said, if you pull properly, you're not going to hit me in the face. If you don't pull properly and you keep pulling like you used to, you're going to pull your shoulder out of the socket. It's going to hurt. You're going to have some pain. And you're going to smack me in the jaw. Neither one of us will be happy. So she did what I said. And admittedly, I got hit in the jaw about four times before she got the picture. But guess what? It worked. And in doing that, she was able to now pull and put all the tension into her shoulder shoulder blade going towards the spine, which is how you're supposed to use back tension in the first place, regardless of whether you're using a back tension release or a thumb button or you're shooting fingers. It doesn't make a difference. Yes, I said that. Back tension is the same if you're shooting whatever kind of release or fingers. Don't really care what anyone says about that. Now, the last part of this for keeping the top in line is how do I get that tension going? Because you're thinking, well, I'm putting all kinds of force. Well, This is perhaps the hardest part to teach about this. And you have to think of it, and in the video I'll explain how this works. You have to think of it as your arm, where it's connected to the string, okay, your draw arm, has to be the end of a chain. So whether it's on a release or not, doesn't make a difference. That's the end of a chain. And that chain runs through your arm, through your shoulder, to your spine. So it's making a loop around, through your elbow, back into your shoulder, directly to your spine. Executing just means you're relaxing You're relaxing your forearm, your hand, everything. But what you're doing is 
you're increasing the tension on that chain. So you're pulling that chain in from the spine side. A little hard to describe over the words, but you'll see when, when I do it in the video. You're pulling that tension. You're tightening that chain. And if you've ever seen a picture of like a chain was being tightened, you hear that sound as it's crunching, crunching, crunching. It's done slowly because it can only be done slowly. You're increasing tension. As your shot goes off, the tension is still going. If you ever get to the point where you shoot and your arm stays where it was, when the shot goes off, you didn't fire it right because you weren't using tension coming back. Back tension is not the mysterious thing that everybody makes it out to be. But it has to be how you fire every shot. If not, and this goes for recurvers, traditional bows, doesn't make a difference, as well as compound. Even shooting a gun, if you're not always increasing the tension, then your pressure is going to vary, and so is your shot. So we've combined front shoulder being tucked in, arm being relaxed in the front and locked out, alignment of the hands, the rear elbow not being all the way up in the sky, also being sucked in, and actually pulling that chain to bring your shoulder blade towards your spine. This forms the top of your of your weapon, which is the turret, is connected to, and it's pointing in a straight line. Again, very important is that the elbow either be exactly in line with those hands or just slightly beyond it. And that'll do it for this first, you know, episode of the lightning learning series when it comes to your shoulder alignments and what you're doing with your hands in our next episode we're going to cover exactly what you should be doing with your hands how you grab the bow and then what's going on with those hands as you're pulling away with your shot following that we'll have another episode on what are you doing with your base where you're maintaining your balance and finally, where you position your feet. I can tell you right now, my way of doing this is a little bit different from other people. Maybe it's a lot different, but it works for my kids because I think they can understand it the easiest. You can have them spend months, weeks, doesn't make a difference, on their foot position. But if the entire time that they're learning their foot position while they're drawing a bow, they're destroying their shoulders, what is the point? I would rather have to make a small correction you know because if you think about it that that technique is never going to change when you change your foot position if anything your draw might get a little shorter if you're opening your stance a little more or it might get a little longer if you're closing your stance a little more because you had too close but the alignment is still the same because then the only change we're doing is we're changing your draw length the arm position is going to stay exactly the same we'll clear the gate we'll make sure that everything is fine so that the string clears them. But everything that we're doing in this is way before we ever shoot the bow. So what I suggest to everybody to do is to go out and get a shot trainer. Now, I'm not talking about there are shot trainers on the market that are hundreds of dollars. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, the best thing you do, like Knock-On has them. They have his shot trainer, which is basically a wooden handle and piece of string. Um our friends over at the Off-Center Archers, they have their own, which I got to tell you, he makes some cool, clear ones. He got them for one of my students, Leanne, and sent me a few for my students, and they are the nicest thing in the world. And all it is is a handle that's been 3D printed, the string that goes through it. You adjust it, set it to your draw length, and can use that to work on its positioning. 
The only critical thing is that you make sure it's exactly the same as your draw length. And I'll actually show you how to tie it in the knot so you can get it to slide and get to your draw length when I do the video. But that's the sort of thing you need. If you don't have the funds to go out and get something like that, and not very expensive, do it another way. Take a piece of string, tie it in a loop, just make sure that loop is exactly the same length as your draw length. Hook up your release to it, and we can actually practice doing the same thing. But you need to practice this before you ever shoot a bow. These techniques that I'm showing you, how to draw the bow back with the arm, arm alignment, even down to positioning your waist, center of balance, your feet, all that is done without ever shooting the bow. It's like, the best way to describe it, if you're learning to walk a tightrope between two skyscrapers. Yes, I've seen people do that on TV. It's just insane. But if you're going to learn how to do that, do you automatically throw a line between the two skyscrapers and start learning how to walk across like live the first time? Even if you had a net, you could still hurt yourself. Same way, if you started doing this live with a bow, even if you have somebody watching you, you could still hurt yourself. So we don't do that. So we do this with the shot trainers. We do it with heavy bands. It's good to do with the TheraBands you can get from Amazon for 8 bucks or your pharmacy for 2 $3, whatever it is. Even gigantic heavy, heavy rubber bands that you see around broccoli and stuff like that. Loop them together. Make something out of that. Give yourself some tension. When you do that, you're going to find that practicing that, letting you establish your form is a lot safer than actually doing it with a bow. But again, I'll demonstrate all this in the video. You guys will actually get to see what I look like. Oh, gee, that'll be a scary one. But we're going to do that in our next episodes and along with the, the video um, part of this one. Now, we have one, one uh, section here. It's unlike the don't be that guy for our regular podcast. And this section is going to be known as how do they do it? So the first thing I always get asked is tournament shooters, I mean the successful ones anyway, always seem to be able to shoot with the same focus and energy no matter what. I mean, from first arrow to the last one. But if you ever go to a small local tournament, regional tournament, or you go to Vegas, which was canceled unfortunately, but when you're at Vegas, you'll see that everybody's shooting on the line. That first two, three ends, they are go, go, just 100% pounding away, going for it. And then by about like the sixth end, maybe sometimes the fourth end. Some people happen to them on the second end. Don't get me. What, whatever. They start to be like, you start to see them like breaking down. Like oh, all of a sudden you start to see the crazy shots happen. Well, instead of a 10, there's a six or something like that. It's like they lose focus. They fall apart. But it doesn't happen to the really successful shooters. And all my kids ask me like, how do they do that? Well, that all comes into a, I call it the recipe for how you make somebody be able to do that. And I've covered this in podcasts before, but for purposes of this special series, I'm going to give you my own witch's brew on how that can be done. The first thing is simulate where you're shooting all the time. So if you're going to be shooting in a quiet range with Beethoven and Mozart playing in peacefulness, while you shoot, that's wonderful. However, when you go to a real tournament and it's loud like this, and the minute the first shot goes off, it sounds like Armageddon out there, 
like if anyone who's ever been to the Lancaster Archery Shoot, when that first round goes off, all you hear is bang, 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 as they all smack the target butts, then you're going to have a hard time. So now all of a sudden you're out of your normal environment. Problem one, how do you get around that? Simulate your environment. Play with some loud TV. Better yet, go to YouTube, get videos of the Lancaster Archery Classic or Vegas where they have the live shooting rounds, which are still out there, and turn them on. Guess what? You can simulate all the noise, the announcements on the speaker and all that because, yes, guess what, folks? That still goes on while you're listening and while you're shooting. They don't say, hey, we got to wait until everyone's done before we can do this. No. They, they do that throughout the shooting. So if you can learn how that works by accustoming yourself to it, you're going to do a lot better. Do that, and I think you'll find you'll be better off. The second thing to that is people who are so used to this, okay, so now they've got their environment eliminated. The other thing that they used to is shooting next to each other. So you'll find that when you go to a range, especially now in our range, I shoot at Waxby Archers, okay? As of the beginning of this year, I'm now vice president over there. So we've had to accommodate a lot of different things, including COVID. So now you can't shoot next to each other exactly tight, which is good for some people because they're not used to it. And they, you know, when you go to a real tournament situation, which I don't know how many of those real ones we'll have in the near future, but whatever. But in a normal tournament situation, you're not four or five lanes apart from everybody. You're right up against them. You might have two feet between you and the guy in front of you and another foot between, between you and the guy in back of you. Simulate shooting in tight quarters. Because now all of a sudden you can't go all loosey-goosey when you're loading your bow. And sometimes having someone next to you, it just drives you nuts and breaks your concentration. Do that to a pro shooter. And I'll tell you right now, they care less. Could be King Kong standing in front of him, Godzilla in back of him. What did it make a difference to him? Again, because they're accustomed to it. And third, and last with this, especially when you talk about national events, a lot of people go and they'll see their idols, their heroes shooting there. They'll see Jesse Broadwater, Levi Morgan, whatever it is. That's great. If you ever wind up shooting on the line next to them, the starstruck sort of thing will screw up your shots. What I tell people is to get used to this sort of thing, shooting around people, shooting in the sounds, go to a lot of events, participate in a lot of events. You will get used to everything as it happens. And suddenly what was all brand new to you will be commonplace. It won't bother you anymore. Now, there is one other aspect to how how these people do this all the time that needs to be gotten into and That's about effort. The effort in doing it, and I'm just going to cover it briefly because we'll get more into it in one of the other episodes, but effort in shooting has to be the same from start to finish. So if you're putting all your effort to make those perfect shots, but you can only exude that much effort for 10 to 15 shots, what are you going to do for the other 15 if it's a 30-hour round? What are you going to do for the other other, 45 if it's a 60-hour round? That has to do with shooting relaxed and shooting comfortable from first to last shot. And if you're unable to do that, well, then you're never going to, you're going to find that your, your scores go down and up and down and up. Some days you have enough energy to do, sometimes you don't. But there'll be bouncing balls all over the place when it comes to consistency. 
But we'll get into how to do that later. So that'll do it for the first inaugural episode of the Lightning Learning Series. Look for our video, which should be out in about, let's see, we were supposed to get this out on Saturday and didn't have a chance to get it uploaded. Uh, That's why I had to edit the end of this. But uh, today's Tuesday. I figure we're going to have the video out by no later than Friday with another episode of the Lightning Learning Series podcast coming out probably Sunday or Monday. So we hope you enjoyed this. If you have any questions, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and send us your questions into uh, highpowerarchery.com. You can email us, at, email us at highpowerarchery at gmail.com, of course. Again, keep checking back. You'll see that we're going to consistently update and update and update and add more to this. I'm not quite sure how many parts will be in this particular series, but it's going to start with this and go all the way down to when you finally release that arrow and how to be consistent. And we're going to have another series on bow mechanics and what you can do now that you've got your shooting together. How do you make the bow forgiving for you so that if you make a mistake, the bow doesn't? And we'll get into that another time. But that's it for now. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And like we say, it's never goodbyes until, until we see you again. So for now, shoot straight and stay safe. Thanks again, folks.